Thank you for joining us on More Than That, a podcast where we dive a little bit deeper into what was preached on Sunday morning. We hope that this is enriching to your walk with Christ and that you love God and people that much more so that we can extend the glory of God to the people he has placed in our lives. So buckle up and enjoy the conversation. Hey everybody, welcome to More Than That. I am pleased to be sitting here with Trevor Rout. <laughs> and my name's Tyler Henry. Um, so yeah, I changed up the intro a little bit because you already get a dose of what the whole podcast is about when you listen to the intro. Yeah. So I figured, why, why you know, do you keep doing it? Why do I keep doing this? This is kind of like <laughs> almost pointless. Um, but Trevor had the privilege and the mm-hmm. honor to give us the Sunday sermon. Um, yes. So, Trevor, if you had 10 extra minutes to mm. take us somewhere, yeah. where would you have gone? Oh, man, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> well, one of the things, well, yeah, one of the things that I thought about breaking this passage up into, so last week when we did more than that, I talked about how um, we talked a little bit about how the passage last week was pointing to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I almost was breaking up the passage into basically the whole sermon talking about how Moses points to Jesus. Because this whole section oh, yeah. really does point to that. And that's what I got to at the end of my sermon, talking about how Jesus, it pointed to Jesus being, you know, the better, essentially the better high priest, mm-hmm. because he offers himself as a sacrifice, um, a sacrifice that is um, that is able to do what Moses was trying to do at the end of the section when yeah. he goes up yeah. to the mountain. Um, but I was actually, one of the ways I was thinking about breaking up the sermon was actually breaking it up to pointing about how Moses in this section acts as a prophet, a priest, and a king, and then obviously talking mm. about how Jesus is a the better and perfect prophet, priest, and king. Yeah. Um, and basically, so if you don't know anything of what I just said, in the Old Testament there are what's known as the three offices, um, which are the three appointed... God appointed offices in the Old Testament of mm-hmm. prophet, priest, and king. Yeah. And so things that are like positions in God's people that are appointed by God. And so we've already seen before in Exodus the priestly role of, mm-hmm. you know, interceding. And usually the easiest way to describe that is um, the people's representative to God. And then the prophet is kind of the reverse of that. It's God's representative to the people. Mm-hmm. And so I, and so the way I was going to break it down is in the first section when we see Moses bringing the tablets down to Israel, he's bringing the word of God to the people. Mm. And so he's acting as a prophet <clears throat> yeah. in that sense. Um, and, you know, so, yeah. Anyway, and then he comes down and he, like, applies God's word, too, because he's confronting the people with God's word and showing mm-hmm. them how they haven't obeyed it and all of those things. And then, so that would have been the prophet part, and then getting to the king part is where Moses calls the, the Levites to, or calls for loyalty and repentance, and he enacts God's judgment on those, on the idolaters, too. And that would have been more of the kingly role of, like, showing God's authority um, over the people because ultimately 
God is the king of the government, um, not Moses. And, mm-hmm. um, but there's some scripture, I think it's in Deuteronomy, where it kind of hints that Moses was a king in some sense, but he wasn't like officially a king. But yeah, it's kind of like in, in <coughs> scriptures where it talks about elders being shepherds, but being under the chief, chief shepherd, who is Jesus. That mm-hmm. was kind of the role of the yeah. the kings in the Old Testament is they're like under kings, under, you know, God as the the king. Um, and Jesus fulfills that because he is, you know, the king of kings. He is, mm-hmm. you know, the one who's who's over everything. He'll, you know, come to judge the living and the dead and all yeah. those things. Um, and then once we get to the end, priest, which is what I did talk about on Sunday about how Moses goes back up to intercede for the people. So he's acting in the office of priest there. Um, and uh, And as I said in the sermon, Jesus is the better priest because he his sacrifice is perfect um, and it atones for the sins of his people and it, um, does, yeah, and it, yeah. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, I'm, I'm tracking with you. So that was that was something that I think could have been really cool to, to flesh out, but it just felt more like I was kind of, it, it, it didn't quite fit as nicely as I wanted it to and so mm-hmm. I, I ended up, switching to a way that I thought the text was going versus, you know, doing it that way. So, yeah. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) So that, that was one of the things. Another thing that uh, somebody pointed out to me that I, I wish I would have thought of beforehand, but, you know, talking about the, obviously there's the, the awkwardness in the middle of this, of Moses and the Levites killing 3000 people. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's something that, like, in our culture, we're like, that seems immoral for God to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But remembering that if God is the king, then idolaters, by um, by choosing to worship another god, have committed treason against God. And even in today's world, we still see treason as something where the death penalty is acceptable in some mm-hmm. cases. Yeah. And so that was something that I kind of wish I would have... which is true all of that is true and i wish that would have been something that i could have pointed out but Mm -hmm. and also even talking about last week we were talking about prescriptive versus descriptive that would have been a good teaching opportunity that i could have thrown in there too of well this is a descriptive text it's not prescriptive for today as god's people yeah which definitely would have like tickled my apologetics bones (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's also just nice to to teach you know to to teach the um to teach big words to the congregation, you know, yeah. things like that. It's like, yeah. and that's something that really helps you in a lot of places in scripture too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the book of Acts, you know, that's a big controversy is how much of this is prescriptive and how much of this is just descriptive. Mm-hmm. And there's different controversies about that. But <clears throat> well, I mean, you just did two, two Psalm videos. Yeah. Like and that's <laughs> all poetry. Yeah. So how much of that is prescriptive? Yeah. Well, Even though it mm-hmm. is, you know, it's poetry. Poetry is usually descriptive of yeah. something, of something mm-hmm. that the author's, like, yeah. feeling at the time. Even though there yeah. might be a prescriptive element to it, not all of it. Yeah, so sometimes it's hard to kind of, especially, or even if you're looking <clears throat> at the prophets, too. It's like yeah. how much of this is prescriptive yeah. and descriptive. So, yeah, it's it's an interesting balance. So, speaking of. Yes, okay. Um, that objection is, like... I get that objection all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, God killed all of these people mm-hmm. because 
seemingly he wanted to, so he's mm-hmm. cool with genocide. Yeah. So, like... Which he's not. Yes, he's, he's definitely not. <laughs> Before we say anything else, <clears throat> yes, let's say I mean, that. <laughs> look at Genesis 5 and Genesis 9, guys. Yeah, like, where it just, says... Yeah. yeah. Um, About pe- people being made in the image of God. And yeah. And, whoever yeah. sheds blood, man's blood, his blood will be shed. Anyway, yeah. continue. Um, so, this passage... Mm-hmm. Is it prescriptive or is it descriptive? Mm. Oh, it's definitely uh, descriptive. Um, it, well, especially that part of mm-hmm. the, the killing the the three thousand Levites. That was definitely a descriptive thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, if I mean, I can't really imagine why this would happen, but if some reason you're at the top of a mountain and God gives you tablets that were written by His finger. I don't think it's a good idea to smash them. Um. This is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Unless, <laughs> like, people are being extremely unrighteous and you have to show them how unrighteous they're being. Um, yeah. I don't think that you should smash a golden calf and make people drink a golden calf milkshake. I don't think that's a necessarily good idea. No, but when you said that, idea. I laughed so hard. <laughs> well, yeah, I thought that was funny. But <laughs> it was also weird because it was, like, a serious moment, but I kind of made a joke so sometimes anyway it um, it lightens it a little bit yeah so yeah i mean i like thinking um, like you know hypothetical situation but i can only imagine what moses was like afterwards like going back (laughs) up to the mountain he's like hey uh can you give me another yeah. set of them? Like <laughs> I kind of destroyed of them. Yeah, I was. It was for a good. It was for yeah. a good reason. I promise. So but then like, after that, it's 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 like when you give something expensive to your kid and they break it, and it's like, well, I'm not gonna give you another one of those. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like here's some paper. That was like when I was growing <laughs> up. I when I got really nice baseball gloves, my dad would buy me like I would end up getting the nicer ones, and mm-hmm. then it was kind of like, well, if you don't take care of these, then I'm not gonna get you a nice one again. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But the cool part is, like, you know, if you do take care of it, mm-hmm. those nice things do end up lasting. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, you know, let's you know, let's just say again, hypothetical, <laughs> it, perfect situation. The tablets come like Moses comes down with the tablets, and everyone's been fasting for forty days. They're yeah, waiting for Moses. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's quite literally like like uh, to bring in like typology yeah that's like an image of christ there Mm. um with that 40-day fast and then which is what happened whenever they consecrate themselves to god and all that stuff which is what happens after jesus was baptized he went out into the wilderness for 40 Mm -hmm. days fasted yeah and that's another way that moses points to christ exactly yeah um but it makes me wonder if that was the case and here's the um Here's the subjunctive person in me. <laughs> if that was the case, yeah, we probably would still have the tablets today. Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. There's a good chance, yeah, but but also you have to. They would have put it in the Ark of the Covenant probably because that's mm-hmm. where the the other tablets were, and then at some point the Ark is. It's lost somewhere. It's well, somewhere it does. I remember listening to something about this where they did. There, there's like some verses where you can kind of tell that there was some enemy that ended up taking it away. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. So anyway, we might still have them. I mean, we we <laughs> and it would be really cool to see what yeah. God, how good God's <clears throat> handwriting is. Yeah. But that, <laughs> or like what God's hand, handwriting actually looks yeah. like. Because I mean, how funny would it be if God was left-handed? 
Huh. <laughs> I, I am one step closer to being Christ like them. Because <laughs> everyone of, used to always like, you know. Yeah. They, like they would like force if you're, them. They would force them to be right handed. Because yeah. that was like the Christ like thing to, to do is yeah. to be right handed. Um, so. I'm so thankful that's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I said that specifically because we do have like obelisks and stuff like that oh, in yeah. Egypt from mm-hmm. before the time of the Exodus. So yeah. like, there's there's inscriptions of like Semitic mm-hmm. names on these obelisks and mm-hmm. stuff like that that have been found from the time that Israel was yeah. like enslaved. Mm-hmm. So it's like if that if we have stuff in obelisks with those type of inscriptions that old, mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, and didn't they just find like an altar that they think could have been one that like Joshua built? Hasn't I think, that been I like think super so. recently? And there was like some controversy because it used some names of God that they didn't think were like used in that time period or something. Maybe this is going off in a tangent. Yeah, no, but. no, maybe. I mean, <laughs> when it comes to like archaeology, like they don't release that stuff until they're absolutely sure. Yeah. They'll like put out something like, "Hey, this like." I think I saw Lisa so, Childers talking about this. But. Yeah, she may have, and I think Titus Kennedy may have brought it up too. Okay. Um, so Lisa Childers has. Um, it's like in a. <clears throat> uh, what's what's the podcast? Um, I think it's just the Alicia Childers podcast. I think so. Yeah. Um, but then Titus Kennedy is also an archaeologist, like a field archaeologist oh, okay. from. Uh, and an adjunct professor at Biola, where yeah. I went to school. So, mm-hmm. like, he teaches, like, in the, like, I think it's the theology department okay. and teaching biblical um, archaeology and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, so he's, you know, he's one of those people that mm-hmm. goes out and, like, confirms, okay, yeah, this is, like, yeah. this isn't a Yahweh inscription Yeah. in ancient Egypt or whatever. Yeah. But, um, so the other thing that you, that you brought mm-hmm. up... Um, was spending too much time in the pool. Mm. Um, yes. So it skews. If we spend too much time in the pool, yeah, it's end up, it ends up skewing our perception of the weight of sin. Yeah. So, you know, what what would what would you say that that pool is like? What is it? What does mm. it look like in the everyday? Yeah. Christian's so it would be life? just like the cultural context that you're in. So it's okay. different for like, you know, different cultures, different time frames, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, so today, um, it could look like, I think one of the, the biggest examples would be um, gluttony and laziness would be the two big ones, I would say, because in our culture, they're not really seen as like bad sins or it seems legalistic <laughs> to talk about those sins. Mm-hmm. So like, um, for example, like binging a show all day is something that I'm guilty of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. We're both guilty of. That's me speaking as a fellow sinner. This is something. But that is it like, I, it's it's hard for me to say, but I think that is sinful, you know, because we are mm-hmm. being lazy in that. And it's different if like, okay, you're sick all day and you can't do anything, so you're yeah. binging TV, yeah. you know. And I'm not saying you're going to hell if you binge an entire show or anything like that, but it's just, <laughs> like, that is in yeah. our cultural consciousness of, like, oh, this is okay, but it, like... Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah, and I think that there's, like... I think Like, we can at least ask that question, like, is this something? Yeah, and I yeah. think there's, you know, there's always going to be qualifiers to those type of things. Yeah. Like, you know, if... You know, you and I work in full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. On our Sabbath days, like, I don't know about you, but, like, there's days when I'm taking my, like, Sabbath, (laughs) my Sabbath day, and I'm like, 
I'm going to binge watch Criminal Minds and see how far I can get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like, having those days once in a while is different. Yeah. Or like, for example, me and my, my girlfriend, Kelsey, she's been doing May the 4th for years and like mm-hmm. takes that day to watch like three, four, depending on the yeah. year, a bunch of Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing things like that once in a while. You know, and that's something that's a way that she connects with her sister and her family yeah. and stuff. So that's different. But yeah. Anyway, what so yeah. What if it's Tolkien? He's, he's mm. a Christian, right? He's a Christian. Yes. <laughs> so. So if you're doing either um, the yeah the Lord of the Rings series, um, except for the Amazon one, we don't count that one. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Narnia. It's actually good. I watched it. I haven't I, seen it. I yet. didn't. I didn't mind it. Um, or if you're doing Narnia, then you can watch that as much as you want. Okay. Because you're basically just watching scripture allegorized, so which yeah, <laughs> with some cool language yeah. involved. But getting and... yeah, but even so, so I you know I said that, but you could even mm-hmm. go on the other side of you know, in our culture today, there's there's also this very high view of like body image, and so if you mm-hmm. spend too much time worrying about you know the gym or working out or things like that, that can easily become mm-hmm. something that you know if you're if you focus too much on that, I think that could be a cultural, you know, yeah. a sin of that too. Yeah. And I, that's not to say working out is a sin, obviously. Yeah. yeah and, and that's um, one of my favorite quotes from the church fathers is from Tertullian. Mm-hmm. And he basically says, and I don't know why it's one of my favorites, but I can never remember what he actually says. <laughs> <laughs> but something along the lines. Something of. along the lines of um, the way that the, it, that Satan ends up perverting our view mm-hmm. of truth is by defending it. Mm. Um, so basically he's saying um, that he, that Satan's going to try and get us to hyper-focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Tertullian was talking about the Trinity. Mm. Um, that was like the context. So like, and it was modalism is what he was fighting against, fighting against and like arguing against which modalism for those of you who are listening that don't know mm-hmm. what that is um that's going to be like your oneness pentecostals yeah so they um, would say the god is the son is the holy spirit yeah whereas we would say as trinitarians the father the son and the holy spirit are all god but the father is not the son mm-hmm. and the son is not the spirit yeah. and all that so. yeah and they would basically say that jesus is the father yeah and that jesus is the Spirit. Which is wrong and not biblical. <laughs> yes, very, very wrong. Um, especially given what Jesus himself says in Matthew. Yeah. Uh, Matthew 8, 20. But anyway, yeah. bring it um, back. But yeah, so like, um, you know, let's, let, let's say, you know, you're, you're hyper-focusing on the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing in scripture or anything like that that says yeah. that taking care of your body and going to the gym and exercising is wrong. Yeah, it's actually encouraged mm-hmm. um, being a good steward of what God has given you. Yeah, but when you hyper focus on it so that it yeah. consumes your life or it becomes out of place or it has a wrong priority, mm-hmm. then that's when Tertullian's quote comes becomes really really relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I mean, I like thinking about it like from from my perspective, like mm-hmm. I deal with ideas. Sometimes the ideas can, and I, I catch myself on this all the time, <laughs> like the ideas become more important than my relationship with God. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially being a theologian, like mm-hmm. that's something that happens 
that's something that can very easily happen where it's like yeah. you're treating God as more of an academic exercise mm-hmm. than yeah. than your father. Yeah, and there's <clears throat> and there's really you know, there's nothing wrong with you know, academically searching for God. Yeah, no, not at all. But when it becomes your entire focus and you're basing your entire relationship and and your faith on and it's your your faith is riding on academics. Mhm rather than an actual relationship yeah. like and it, you know <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't work out that way mm-hmm. well at all um yeah but yeah so those are just some some initial things that that i would think would be mm-hmm. the, the waters that we're swimming in you mm-hmm. know kind of deal so yeah um and the other one that i was <clears throat> i want to get your perspective mm-hmm. on this because th- what was the numbers passage that you oh numbers five yes. yeah um, so in Numbers 5, can you give us just like a quick synopsis of what it... What yeah, so in Numbers 5, it's this interesting, um, some it's called like a test of, of idolatry, or it's called in the CSB, it's called the jealousy ritual. Mm-hmm. And so it's the, the situation is essentially a husband has, for some reason or another, suspected that his wife is... Um, has been unfaithful to him, has committed adultery in some way. And so what he's to do is to take her to the priest. And in this ritual, the priest um, takes dust from the tabernacle floor. And then also something I didn't mention on Sunday is he would also, um, there was like some curses that he would write on paper and then like wipe the the letters into the the drink also. Um, And then would mix it up and the wife would um, say some oath of some kind and then drink it. And then if the wife, wife becomes sick from drinking the um, that concoction, um, then that means that she had been unfaithful. And then it also actually, part of it that I, another part I didn't bring up is actually her, she wouldn't be able to have children anymore either. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And so... And so, yeah, so in the sermon, I was connecting that to what Moses did with the golden calf. Um, it's not like a super clear direct line, but I mm-hmm. suspect that that's what's going on, is there's some connection yeah. there. Um, and then, you know, it's like that happened before Numbers was written, probably, I'm assuming. I'm not sure the exact order, but I'm not, yeah, I'm but not I either. still see, I see a connection there where they're mm-hmm. like, this jealousy ritual should point you back to either way i think it's yeah, pointing yeah. they're pointing to each other and yeah. so in some way shape or form um adultery yes is adult. a form of idol idol yeah. worship idolatry yeah. idolatry so exactly and like, i was trying so hard because they're those words are so close that <laughs> i was worried that i would yeah. say the wrong one <laughs> in the sermon of i meant to say adultery but i said idolatry or the other way around yeah so yeah I mean, they're they're so close in many in ways. Etymology, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll just say I don't I don't know if it's the right word or not, but it's you know we'll just say it's a double entendre. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or an entendre. Yeah. I don't yeah, whichever it is. But like, yeah, and you know that's really important. I think to for people to to understand that that numbers passage mm-hmm. specifically, and this is a total like left wing rabbit hole mm-hmm. type or left field rabbit hole type yeah. type thing. Um, but being somebody who is divorced, mm. um, it, that numbers passage, it, it helps protect against a no fault divorce, mm-hmm. which is, um, 
connecting it back to the Gospels, that's what Jesus was being questioned about, mm. was the Shemai and the Hillel mm-hmm. argument, which is whether somebody can get divorced for any reason at all, mm-hmm. or if there were you know, biblical there reasons, were reasons for it, yeah. Biblical reasons for this divorce. Yeah. And so it like, also protects the wife, too, so that the, the husband couldn't, like, which is, which is what I talked about on Sunday. <clears throat> so it protects both of them because yeah. it's like if your wife has been unfaithful, then you are, you know. You'll find out biblically, the truth. Yeah, you'll find out the truth. Yeah. And then he can decide, you know, whether or not he wants to divorce her after mm-hmm. that. And then also it protects the wife because the husband can't just make an accusation with no proof mm-hmm. and be like, you know, I'm yeah. going to. My conscience tells me essentially because that's that's almost what it says in Numbers five, where it says, "If a spirit of jealousy comes over you mm-hmm. about your wife, then do this thing." Yeah. And so, anyway, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, so it's a protection for both of them. Yeah, and you know, given our current culture, mm-hmm. you know, taking take the woman's word seriously, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's really what it's getting at. Yeah. Um, but. For more like kind of like context, um, for those of you that are n- not sure what I meant by no fault divorce was like <laughs> that the woman the woman really did nothing wrong, but yeah. back in the first century or mm. even before, she could literally burn the soup one day or burn the bread, mm. and the that guy's like, considered enough. I'm, "That's enough, <laughs> you know, you didn't please me, yeah. So therefore, you're out." They would probably say, "Like you've one. been unfaithful to me because you yeah. haven't, yeah, yeah, something like that." So that's it's it's a protection against the that. male and the female mm-hmm. there, um, and upholding, contrary to what a lot of charges are against um, Christians being misogynists and stuff mm-hmm. like that. No, we're upholding yeah. the woman's word here. Yeah. Um. So. I don't want to belabor it too much, but it also, um, not, not that, yeah. not that at all. Um, oh, I see. but just under going back to like the pool and understanding the weight. Oh of yes. Sin, mm-hmm. Um, it brought up and it made, it reminded me of mm. the book by C.S. Lewis, the weight of glory. Mm, okay. <clears throat> I haven't read that yet. I've, I've seen sections from yeah, it. Yeah. It's I haven't really read good. It. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but basically he goes in and he throws, so much weight mm-hmm. on sin. Mm. And then he flips the table and says, but look, here's the weight mm. of glory. Yeah. We have this weight of sin that quite literally could drown us. Yeah. Um, but that weight of glory is heavier, mm. but it does the, has the exact opposite effect mm-hmm. and it lifts us up. Um, it was just kind of cool to, to see like, even if you weren't like really, yeah, <laughs> really I wasn't trying. Well, but. That was that was kind of what I was trying to do in the pa- in that passage, <clears throat> but it wasn't. I wasn't trying to mm-hmm. like riff off of C.S. Lewis from that. But that is <laughs> that's that's what I was trying to do, and it felt weird because I felt like for ninety percent of my sermon, mm-hmm. I I was Jonathan Edwards, you know. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> that's that's kind of what it felt like. Of like, wow, I and this it was really heavy, and it was yeah, mm-hmm. not not easy to, to write that sermon, but that that's like, this is what the text is saying. Mm-hmm. It's, it's trying to show us like, listen, this is a very serious offense against God, mm-hmm. um, that you've broken a covenant relationship with him. You have committed treason against him and you know, you deserve you like, you need atonement, um, essentially. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. And then ideally I hope that I did a good job of then highlighting that the work of Christ is is that much greater because mm-hmm. we have done 
so much against God, and yet he still chose to send his son Jesus to do these things, to, to, you know, to be an atoning sacrifice on our behalf. Yeah. Um, and so I hope that I was able to, <laughs> to bring that around, uh, yeah. just to see, you know, that, that glory um, mm-hmm. of Christ's work and the glory that we partake in because of Christ's work. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's really good. Um, I think that's a good way to, to end it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you. Good job. Good first sermon. Oh, thank you. First sermon here, at least. First sermon here, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll just say that was my first sermon. It's okay. <laughs> we'll just get rid of the other one. So. All right, all right. We're going to, no. we'll just not let the other church know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, we'll just hide this from them. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, no, that was that was good, and I appreciate you. I appreciate all the stuff you do here. Mm. Um, and for those of you that are listening, I uh, just want to remind you this isn't a replacement for the sermon or being involved in a in a local church. Think of it more as a vitamin. Um, it's a supplement to that involvement in a local body Mm -hmm. um so if you are in williamsport we would love to to meet you if you don't have a church home um or if you just want to come say hi and you already have a church home just like come say hi on on a sunday um we'd love to meet you um and if you are not um please look up look up some some churches or um, look up, you know, we're part of the Acts 29 network. Um, look up to see, you know, where the closest Acts 29 church is. Um, yeah, we're just encouraging you to get involved in a local church. Um, mm-hmm. So, again, Trevor, thank you very much. Yes, thank you, Tyler. So, I just have, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, have a blessed weekend. Have a blessed weekend.